This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. And today I have a special guest who I'm interviewing. He is Michael... Use Davinus. <laughs> I said it wrong, didn't I? <laughs> no, no, no. You got it right. Did I yeah. get it right? Use okay. Davinus. That was good. Very Use good. Davinus. Okay. Yeah. And he is a developer with Saved Games Incorporated who are making a new castle simulation action RPG hybrid called Heroes of Issachar. Okay. That was a lot to fill into one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you did it well. All right, so I want to ask you a few things about <laughs> Saved Games itself. What exactly is this, and why are you transitioning from a smartphone application kind of mini-game sort of thing to a big, full-fledged game? Right, right. Saved Games consists of myself and Rob Purrier, and about two years ago, I felt called to make Christian video games, and... So the easiest way at that point to make any sort of game was to dive into the mobile market. That, you know, that was the, and still is to some extent, kind of the chic thing to do. And so I have a little bit of background in programming just from when I was a kid. I, I'm, I'm not a computer science major. I have no formal training in that sense. But I always did it as a kid. But for the last 10 years, I've, I've just been, I, I own a law firm. I'm a lawyer. So... So along the way, uh, like I said, about two years ago, I, I really felt called to make Christian video games. And so I started looking at how I would do that and got some advice from, from some helpful people and set out to make a simple Christian app. And so I did that, and that was a solo project. At the same time, Rob was sort of doing the same thing. He works for IBM, and he decided he was going to dive into the app market and not to make Christian games, but to make Christian apps and, you know, do some data stuff and, you know, Bible concordance kind of stuff. And, and he's got some really neat stuff that he did before, before we met. Well, along the way, we had a mutual friend who knew that we were both doing this. And so this guy said, you guys need to talk to each other just for, for no other reason, just because you guys kind of have the same mindset. And so we traded some emails, talked on the phone a little bit. And at that time, I said, well, look, you know, I'm learning Unity, a gaming engine, a 3D engine. And I said, you know, if, if it's something that you want to do, I said, you, I'm, I'm happy to share with, you know, my experience with you. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. And so this really started out as just a couple of guys who were just really trying to learn how to code. So <laughs> as we started to move through it and we, when we talked more often, we realized that we really both felt called to do the same exact thing, which, which is really pretty bizarre because he's in North Carolina. I'm in Florida. And we decided we were going to try and make a, a few apps together just to see how we work together. So we did that. We completed some projects and they went great. And so we, we thought, well, you know, what's, you know, where, where do we want to take this? So we decided to, you know, sort of dive in officially. We formed our corporation. We call it, we call it Save Games. And as we talked about, well, you know, where do we want to go with this? You know, my heart has always been in console and PC gaming. I, I am a an obsessive gamer I always have been and I enjoy playing mobile games but my heart is has always been with with PC gaming but but also with console gaming I I, I go between both because there's there's really good good things about both um, and so my 
focus, you know, my, 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 my goal has always been to bring what we are doing to those platforms. And, and Rob was, has been down with that as well. So, you know, about, I would say probably March of this, of this past year is when we decided, you know, we've been making these apps, but let's, let's sort of focus on w- what we had really set out to do was to make a Christian game that delivers the gospel to gamers. And so that's when we really decided to embark on this project, Heroes of Issachar. So you had no previous experience and you just sort of jumped into the pool. In the deep end. Yeah, well, okay, so... Other than the fact I had, that you have a limited amount of programming experience beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess what I would say is I have always made games, whether it was, you know, pen and paper, dice in hand RPGs, or, you know, card games, or whatever. I mean, I have always made games my whole life, and... I have programmed. I mean, but what I was programming in was Quick Basic, a little Turbo Pascal. You know, for any coders out there, they know what, what that is. I mean, none, none, you know, none of the object-oriented stuff. I mean, it was way before all that. So, I understood the concepts of programming. You know, variables, loop, and you know, all, all that, all that kind of stuff. But I had stepped away from it for quite a while, and so it wasn't as if I was completely illiterate in the ways of programming and and game making. That's not the case, but when I sat down like with something like Unity, which is a 3D engine, the first time I sat down with it, I just thought, I am never going to learn this. But <laughs> what's amazing is the amount of information that's available. When I was programming as a kid, I mean, I had my quick basic manual, and that was it. <laughs> you know, if I didn't know how to do something, it was figure it out yourself or, or don't do it. And so now it's just a matter of hopping online and there, if the answer isn't out there, there are so many forums that you can ask them and, and, and people willing to help that it is, it is just unbelievable how easy it was to get up to speed on the multitude of languages that are out there now. So obviously you need a lot of help. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it would seem my way, but I just, I love to code. It's just something I love doing. And so I'm at the point now where, you know, when I've got free time, instead of, you know, and not that I don't still play games, but I, most of the time, if I've got time to play games, I would rather just hop on a tutorial and, and learn a new language or learn more about, you know, whatever I'm, I'm in the middle of. And so at, right now, I've done all the coding myself, you know, to the point where we're at. And that's a testament to how friendly Unity is and a testament to the amount of knowledge that's out there that that's, you know, someone who is really willing to put the time in to learn it, you can really get up to speed really rather quickly. I know how many people are involved, so it looks really good. Oh, that, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Again, you know, the, the, the amount of, you know, sort of help that's out there for guys that are in our position, you know, Rob is, is, is sort of taking the lead on the art side of it. Yeah. But again, both in the coding and the art side, there is a tremendous amount of help out there, both in assets that you can get, or code snippets that you can get. I mean, it's you don't have to do everything from scratch, which has made our cycle a lot shorter than it normally would have been. Okay, so this is a faith-based game, and I think that either turns people off because of their reputation of Christian video games. Right. You know, Wisdom Tree and the like. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't even think they're a Christian company anymore, which is very strange. And Well, uh, they... And to my knowledge, they didn't even start out as, as Christians. I don't know if they are now, but... Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> and we have, on the yeah. other hand, really 
terrifying things like the left behind real time strategy game. <laughs> so it's either <laughs> it's trying to shoehorn faith into game mechanics or it's trying to right. convert people without their say so and they get hoodwinked into it. Yeah. So I yeah. want I want to ask how do you believe that you can either bridge this gap and make it so that it's both kind of an evangelical effort and or a great video game in and of itself? The question really goes to our mission. And so, you know, taking a step back, I have to say, I mean, it is, it is hard to make a game. So I, when we started out, our, you know, our platform was, was kind of like, you know, kind of like you said, well, Christian video games don't have the best reputation. But, you know, I've really sort of taken a step back from that, especially as I've gotten into game making, you know, it, it, really as, you know, as, sort of as a profession, because it is hard to make a game. And so I don't want to come off like we're, you know, sort of diminishing the efforts of, of, of what has come before, because yeah. for one, games have not been mainstream like they are now. And so, you know, for, for the for the folks that have come before to step out and say, you know what, we're we're gonna we're gonna make these these games and they're gonna be they're gonna have a Christian theme and, and that it, it's a hard thing to do and it was harder then I think than it is now. So you know, so I, I certainly don't want to come off as, as saying you know well that, that that anything negative about the the prior efforts, but you know where we're at now, you know the bar is high and people aren't especially Christians, are not willing to give you a pass on quality simply because you're Christian. What we have been incredibly encouraged by is the increase in Christian music, the quality of Christian music, the quality of Christian movies. You know, the quality of Christian media is increasing. But what we see and what we've seen is that video games, which is the largest media outlet in the world, has almost no Christian presence and the Christian presence that it has doesn't have a great reputation. And so that is really our mission. And so we've got this game and, and, I, and yeah, I don't want to sidestep the question. I'm going to get to your question, but <laughs> we, we've got this game and, and we are really, really excited about it. But even more than that, we feel it's our mission that for the other folks that are out there who want to follow along or, or, or alongside or whatever, and, and make games that spread the gospel of Jesus, we want to help them out. And, and, and in fact, I, we've talked with other people who are making games where you, you might even consider them competitors to what we're doing, but we don't see it that way. I mean, we see, we're, we see it as we're all on the same team and we're trying to spread the word. And so, you know, whatever help we can give to those people, we're, we're there. Again, as far as our mission goes, that's, that, that sort of addresses that. Now, with the game itself, you're absolutely right. Uh, as far as you know, shoehorning the message, uh, you know, in and, or, or making it feel forced, as you know, I've sort, of, I've sort of said in the past, you know, there are the games who where they're Christian, but it's kind of light on the game part of it. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there is a sector of of gamer that will will be drawn to that. In fact, some of our apps would fall into that category. I mean, the game part of it is kind of light. It's really just kind of putting some type of a Christian message in front of people. And so, again, nothing wrong with that effort, but that's not what we're shooting for. There's also been a little bit of this movement where there are Christians coming out saying, well, we don't actually have to say anything explicitly Christian. If we just make a game that has Christian values, well, that's, that's good enough. And, you know, and again, I would say to that, that's fine. I mean, you know, a game about being kind to people or, or taking care of your fellow man or you're sharing or, or whatever... I mean, those are great endeavors, but 
that is also not what we're shooting for because you don't have to be a Christian to share. You don't have to be a Christian to help your, your fellow man. You know, those, those aren't uniquely Christian. That's part of what we believe. But what makes us Christian is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if we're going to call our game a Christian game, then it needs to have that in there on its face. That's our take on it. That's where we're coming from. And, you know, I sort of equate it to, we all know that Chick-fil-A is a, is a Christian franchise, but the, the sandwiches aren't Christian sandwiches. They're just chicken sandwiches. And so it would be kind of silly to say, well, they're a Christian, you know, endeavor, and we know that they promote Christian morals and, and, and all that, and, and they're selling Christian sandwiches. Well, no, that's not a Christian, it's just a sandwich, and it may be great, but we're, I, you know, I don't think we should go around calling them Christian sandwiches. And so where we're coming from with the game, so how we're, how we're going to do this, is the first thing that we have to do is we have to make an awesome game. We, you know, we have been just putting tons and tons of effort into saying, okay, where, where are we going to go with this game so that if there was nothing about Christianity in this game, it would still be an amazingly fun game. That was you know, sort of the first part of it. But alongside the game, we want to still deliver the gospel. So what we, what we have sort of pieced together is we've got this castle builder, and the way that you get your resources and you get your sort of you unlock the, the ways that you are going to rebuild this castle is you go out and you quest. So instead of just sitting in that, you know, sort of like top down view that you would normally sit in for, for a castle builder, yeah. you're really in, in a third person action view similar to Skyrim or Fallout or, or you know, Tomb Raider or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And the, the backstory is as a hero, as, a, as sort of the hero of this game, you're just a traveling wanderer, skilled swordsman, whatever you want to kind of sort of make this guy. And we haven't even fully decided what this guy's personality and his backstory is going to be, but that's kind of the general idea. And he starts the game out, and he's not a believer. So, you know, as a, as a, as a player, you're taking control of a guy who's just like any other hero that you would normally find in a game who has skills and talents. And he comes and finds a castle that it has been, you know, sort of destroyed and ravaged by the bad guys. And the bad guys have taken their townspeople away, and they have taken their resources, <clears throat> and they have taken their Bible. And they've spread it across the open world that, we're, that we've got planned. So this castle asks the hero, can you help us rebuild our, our castle and, and recover our lost scriptures? And the, guy, and the hero says, yeah, sure, if the price is right, I'll do it. And that's really sort of how the game starts. And so you're tasked with, going, finding these people, finding the resources, bringing them back. <clears throat> and as you bring resources and people back, that unlocks the ability to build the castle. And as you build the castle, that unlocks the abilities for the hero. And it's that kind of cycle that the player will be going through. And so you go out, you'll quest, you'll beat up a bunch of bad guys, you'll bring the stuff back, and you decide how you want to, build, how you want to rebuild it. If you want to go heavy on the technology or, or heavy on the economy or whatever... <clears throat> That's, that's up to the player, how you want to play through the game. No one strategy is going to be right. It's just a matter of how you want to play it. Along the way, as you recover the resources and the people, you're also going to be recovering bits of Scripture. And so as you bring back the people and the resources, you bring back the Scripture, and that's where we have the main king or holy man at, at the castle who... We bring it back, and the guy says, oh, you know, Romans 8.28, and, you know, recites it, and he says, oh, well, that, this is what that means. And through the course of the game, as the player continues to bring back the scripture, 
there will be these little interactions, very, I mean, very brief, but still a part of the story. But real quick, here's the, here's the scripture. Oh, here's what that means. And, you know, we'll see the, the hero, the, you know, the player, sort of evolve over the course of the game. But as, as the NPC is delivering it to the player in the game, we're really delivering it to the person at the controller. The idea isn't, we're making a Christian game, and you're going to take over, you're going to control King David, and you're going to go do this and that, and you're going to... Because that's, I think, what people think of when they say... It's a Christian game, yeah. It's a Christian game. It means I'm going to do something Christian. And, no, this is... Yeah, I mean, the gospel and the, and, and the scripture of the gospel is, is the backdrop for this game. But what you're going to do is you're going to go... You're going to go hack a bunch of bad guys and, and you know, uh, outfit your guy and, and find loot and build a castle and do all the things that are really, really fun to do in video games. Along the way, you're going to hear the gospel. This is very ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially the scripture part, because obviously the name of the game is uh, Heroes of Issachar, and Issachar is in First Chronicles 12-ish. That's what my brain wants to say. It's it's in a few places, but yeah. yeah, where why we put it in is is for that reason. So yeah, they were the they knew the scripture. That's who that's what the, the men of Issachar they were they knew the scripture. So have any other games inspired you to make this game as it is in particular? I mean, oh boy, what yeah, what what games inspired the design of an open world plus a castle simulation plus an action RPG? Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm drawing from really quite a few games and I'll go through them, but there are some games where there is just one little nugget of fun that I just, so that really sort of defines a particular game that I said, yeah, this would work here. And so as you, as you know, when you see the final product, it'll, it'll be a little easier to kind of point this out or that out, you know, but overall, as we've said, the castle builder part of it, we're drawn from games like castles and, and stronghold, it's going to look an awful lot like those games as you're sort of building the castle. Now, it's not going to be exactly like that, and the economy part of it won't be quite so involved because I, it, that's not the, the whole point of the game. So, you know, we're, we're kind of drawing from some of that. But so, so the castle builder part would be games like Castles, Stronghold. The open world part, I'm a Fallout fanatic, going back to Wasteland, which was the, the godfather of, of, of those games. And if you you know followed the legacy of Fallout, you know Fallout Three was not done by by the same guys. Yeah. But I I still love, it. I, I I I love Fallout Three. I played it through. I don't know how many times. I so love Fallout like New the Vegas. Bethesda play. Well, kind of. did fall, I, I believe Obsidian did Fallout New Vegas, and and I I guess they kind of worked hand in hand a little bit on it. But Elder Scrolls, you know, going back, you know, I I love those games too. So. The answer to your question is yes. I, I, I do. I, I love the Bethesda, and, and I realize that that may be heresy to the, to the Fallout faithful, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I, just, I, I loved it. And so, you know, the open world, you know, Skyrim, the, those types of games, I really do love those games. But I always felt like I wanted to build something up. They started to get a little bit better about it, but it still never really felt like it mattered that much. Like, I could just really just run through everything and, and shoot everybody and, and sort of get to the end, and it, it never really felt like I had to sort of plant down roots and state, you know, and like kind of put my stake in the ground and, and build it. And so the, the desire to do more with the character that I built was kind of where this was all sort of born from. 
Now, you can personally develop a character in a Bethesda or a, most CRPGs, right? But you can't really build something in the world that shows that you are there. Is that what you mean more so? Or Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you, you can get your house and you can, you know, put stuff in it and, you know, you can kind of keep stuff there. And that's kind of, it's a good start, but it, it never felt like you could really build it up and, and, and have that sort of customization or and, an and really and feel like you are altering the face of that open world. Yeah, because you plan on having invasion. Absolutely, yeah. And so what we are trying to do is not make this such a hodgepodge of different types of games that it just, you know, it, it's just too much. But the, a bit of the kind of tug-of-war element, which, which are really popular on mobile games. I mean, tug-of-war games work really well on mobile games, yeah. on, on mobile platforms. But as you sort of bleed into, I don't know if you play any MOBA games, but you sort of bleed into that, and now it's like, okay, you know, that's, a, that's just a whole other genre. But, and, and I'm still tinkering with this, but I believe there's a way to do it. What I don't want is just build your castle, let them attack, the, the towers take everybody out, and that's kind of it. It's, it's not a tower defense game. And it'll have elements to that because you can focus heavily on static defense in that sense. But if you want to go more and focus on more of a military, then you will be able to defend your castle by actually going and pushing their battle lines back. And that will be sort of one condition of victory is saying – well, you just you just push them back into you know from where they came, rather than just sit back and let them use up all their troops. So there'll okay. be there'll be that kind of and you can kind of mix and match as you as you you know see fit, and then also taking the the battle to the enemy as you build your castle. You, you know, we what I would like to do is have it where at at the various places around our open world, you'll be able to you know sort of build up little areas as well that will affect your economy. You know, so so if you want to go, then there's an area that can be rebuilt. And into a sort of small town that can then sort of feed resources to the castle. That's great, but that may get attacked. That may get get attacked too. Hmm. So, you know how how you it, it's it's not just straight up build your one castle and defend it. There, you know, I, I really want the players to be able to develop the open world as as, as they think it. You know, it would work. And if, if resources are in one part of the part of the world then, you know, they can go and they can put up a town and the town can, you know, mine those resources or harvest the wood there, send it on back to the castle. As long as it's defended, it'll, it'll keep, keep supplying the, the resources to the castle. Is it supposed to be like you can be attacked while you're out adventuring? We're still working on that. Because the, the idea is that there is a sort of a finite time that you've got to, to, to get everything ready. Because there is one big sort of final attack that is going to be staged against the main castle and that's really where you see how well you've built it ah. <laughs> and so yeah and so so as you go and you quest if you go and you quest and, and you sort of you know you die in the in the dungeon and we're going to figure out how to you know get you back and we're still wor- we're still working through a lot of those mechanics but that was wasted time and so your castle is going to be a little bit less than the guy who didn't spend his time you know on a quest that didn't actually result in anything we're hoping that works. We, it, we won't see it until we really, you know, get something that we can sink our teeth into and actually try and make that happen, you know, let people play it out and see how it works. But with that in mind, we want there to be thing. you know, we want it to have a feel of an open world. If you're in one place doing something, we want the player to know that far, far away, NPCs are, are doing their thing too. 
and and the bad guys are doing their thing, and they are, and it may include attacking the castle. Now, you know, we don't want them to just show up and be like, oh, well, the castle's dead because I wasn't here, because that'd be that'd be really annoying as a gamer. So <laughs> we're kind of working on ways to, you know, to, for lack of a better term, do some like fast travel or get information to the to the player yeah. and that, that would kind of make sense in in this type of a game. The, the long answer to your question is, yeah. You know, while the guy's out questing, it, it may get attacked, and he may have to abandon the quest to come back and defend it. Okay, so how essential is your character in terms of defending the castle? So he obviously doesn't have to be there, right? But can he? Does he make a difference in terms of defending oh, yeah. the castle? Yeah, it, it, he's going to make an incredible difference because one of the things that we that we're we're implementing is the ability to call in reinforcements. Oh, okay. And so as you go and rescue the townspeople. You'll bring back a variety of different people. We've got a lot of unique NPCs that we want the player to go and to be able to recover. And so some of those will be other heroes. So if you go and you recover the hero ranger, then that's somebody that you can call in when you when you need some help. And and again, we're still working through whether that's something that you can just have your companions the whole time, or whether it's something that you've got to build up some type of a resource for call it power or mana or energy or whatever you want to call it but you know sort of build that up and be able to like you know call him in as, as a reinforcement we're working through that but the but the the bottom line is it's not just you know like a dynasty warriors thing where you got one guy like slashing through like you know <laughs> five million enemies no we want there to be there's going to be a and again this is where you know you're it's going to be like to, to a, a kind of a MOBA looking thing where when the, when the battle attacks, we want there to be sort of a stream of the sort of, you know, ubiquitous NPCs that are coming out, the, 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 the Axeman and Swordman and, you know, the, the kind of the, the nondescript guys that are coming out and, and fighting. But then you've got your hero and his hero companions going in and really, you know, kind of turning the tide of how it goes. Hmm. So <laughs> I've shown this to people and I had them ask me, is there a nonviolent option to victory? And I'm not sure if the answer is yes. <laughs> you know, we've been talking a lot about some of these types of issues, one of them being spells. But and nonviolent, my wife asked me that all the time, by the way. Because <laughs> you know, we said, you know, I want my son to be able to play games. And, you know, he's seven. And, I, and as I look at the game that we're making, I don't think this is, it's, I don't think this is a game I would want him to play because you're going to be using swords and, and now we're not going to be having decapitations and, and blood <laughs> spurting everywhere. I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be as, as, as friendly as we can, but I, you know, it's, it's an interesting thought to have maybe an economic victory. I have to think about that. I, I, don't, I don't know. That's a tough one. When, when people ask you that, is it, is it because they they think even you know hitting goblins with a sword is, is that, that's unacceptable? Uh, I'm not sure if they think it's unacceptable. It's just they want the option to perhaps win without violent means. Yes, some people do find it objectionable to kill enemies because the very act of violence is a problem for them. So right. I'm not sure. Maybe somebody wants to be like a nonviolent matriarch and kind of just hold sway over the town and not have to deal with violent things. So we don't have anything like that planned right now, but we are not oblivious to that. And I think that depending on how the final outcome, 
you know what what the final game looks like you know we will we plan on having more than a few things wherever we can put them whether it's at the beginning of the game whatever about you know, who we think this is appropriate for the amount of time people game uh, I, I mean i'm an addictive gamer and so i mean it is a legitimate addiction that i have to like you know curtail and so it's kind of a double-edged sword. I, I, I hope people find our game incredibly fun that they want to play it all the time, but we also want to let them know they need <laughs> they should do other things. The big thing, and this, this has been a thing that's been raised more than a few times, is spells. Can you, can you have spells in a Christian game? And more importantly, can you have good guys use spells? Because I think we could all agree that bad guys can do whatever they want, but um, <laughs> can, can you have good guys use spells? And, and it's, we've really been talking a lot about it and gotten some, some good feedback, and, and we were sort of unsettled on it. You know, it's, it's tough. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of different perspectives from, no, it's all a cult, and it's, it's bad, and, and I, I understand what the, what, the, what the Bible says about it. Our initial position was, well, we're not really going to be, it, it's a fantasy world, and so in this fantasy world, you know, the, the rules are a little bit changed. It's not, you know, it's not coming from a, from a demonic place. It's, you know, we're, we're explaining it in a, in a different way. And I, I, I kind of go back to, can we all look at Super Mario Brothers and say, like, that's, that's an okay game? I mean, I'm sure there's still, still people that say, no, that's not even okay there. But <laughs> that, that was the question I asked. I was like, well, you know, when, when Mario gets a flower, he shoots fireballs. How is he doing that? Is, is he doing witchcraft? Is that the occult? Is Mario the occult? Like... <laughs> well, maybe, I, and I'm I'm not saying he's not. I just, you know, like we. I think because it's a Christian game, it brings it to the forefront. But I think we we let slide so many things that if we really thought about it, we'd say, well, wait a minute. You know, if we're not okay with it in a Christian game, but why are we okay with it elsewhere? You, if it's either okay or it's not. Well, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were okay with it, so that's why a lot of people just kind of let it go. Right, but but again, I mean, and I love I love both of them. But that does, that's not the word of God, you know? So I can't even tell you I've, even, I've settled on it either way. I can tell you we have, I think, come up with a, a good alternative, though. Because the issue is if someone throws fire from their hand, well, well how did they do it? That's really the question. And the issue really becomes, well, if it's supernatural, then... You, you, then you've you've got the the question is at least asked. If it is, if you can explain it in some natural way, then it really takes it out. And so, if someone were skilled in treating a glove with chemicals that would ignite the air, and then you could throw the flame at somebody, I don't think anybody would say that that's a cult. That's science, or you know, it's 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 chemistry. Huh. And so, but at the same time, we, this is not a sci-fi game. It, it, it is a, a fantasy game. And, and so that element, you know, we, and on top of that, we are going to have the tech people in this game. And so we, and, and the tech people and the, and the, what we were going to have as the wizards, the magic people there, they don't get along. We still want to have that element. We still want to have that sort of, for lack of a better term, sort of mystic element to it. Mystic in the terms of sense of like, wow, how's, how is that happening? It's not explainable, but, or not easily explainable. That's sort of where we are with it now, where if we say, well, you know, these people, these, these wizards aren't summoning supernatural forces. They are just very skilled in chemistry and, you know, that kind of thing where they know how to charge the air with electricity or charge the air and produce fire or, or ice or whatever. Um, I think we can get away from the question of is it okay to have magic because it's not magic. It's not supernatural. It's natural. Hmm. It's just not something that we do. So it's like a mechanistic universe. 
so so uh, there's a way to explain most of the phenomena that they would be doing there it, it, yes there's a way to explain it. it's just not something that we we would that we are privy to and and that huh. actually because then because then the other question is okay well if this is a fantasy universe then where where did jesus walk in this fantasy universe where it, 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 did Corinth exist? What, you know, why, why are you writing from the Corinthians to the Corinthians? If Corinth doesn't exist in your world, you know, all those sort of questions, which I, I, did, I never really had a good answer to, but as we've developed that, we've decided that, especially because the real Christian focus on the game is the enemy is trying to destroy the Bible. It's trying to wipe the, the word of God off the face of the earth. We thought that the Dark Ages was a perfect backdrop to this because initially it was just going to be on some fantasy world that doesn't really exist. But then we thought, well, yeah, we, you know, we've got these questions to answer. And so we said, well, why not put it in the Dark Ages? There's so much that we really don't know about. We, and then, and then we, as we started to sort of build on that, we thought, yeah, you know, you know we, we're, all the time we're hearing about like Archimedes, he, he built a computer and, and the Egyptians, they had batteries. And, you know, and it's like, so all these <laughs> lost treasures that, are, that, that have been lost to time that we never knew about – what if there was this really small slice of the Dark Ages where this big showdown between good and evil came, where, you know, where, where Bibles were, were sort of lost, you know, and, 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 and there was this, you know, almost sort of this, this pivotal hmm. showdown where the enemy really had the opportunity to wipe the Bible, the word of God off the face of the earth. And this is the stand that was taken. This is the story behind that. And that opens us up to all kinds of neat things like that where you say, oh, yeah, there, was the, there were these people who figured out how to mix, you know, these, these herbs with these chemicals. And, and, and yeah, there, there, was this, there was this fantastic, you know, civilization that, that existed during the Dark Ages that nobody really knows about because there's so much we don't know about what happened then. And they came, they, they took their stand against the enemy, they saved the Bible, and, and, then, and, then, they, and then they were just, they were just lost to time, well, just like all these other things that we're you know, sort of slowly uncovering. You guys have thought a lot about the universe. <laughs> It's well, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think about it all the time. I mean, I, that, <laughs> I, w when I'm driving, that's pretty much what I'm thinking about, you know, or where, whatever I'm doing. Um, and 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 I can see so many things in it, and and I'm, I'm that that's that's the thing that really keeps us going is you know having these conversations and and saying yeah, you know, there's a there's a universe out there to be created that people can actually walk through and live through in in the digital sense that. I think would, they would find really rewarding, and and so you know we've got uh, we've got different civilizations that that we want the player to be able to you know drawing from that that kind of New Vegas the different factions that you can kind of be friendly with or not friendly, and if you're friendly with these guys, then these guys aren't going to like you. <laughs> all all that kind of stuff we we really want to we really want to incorporate. So in terms of combat mechanics, I mean melee, hand to hand sort of stuff. Right. How in depth are you going with this? Is it going to be more in the vein of Elder Scrolls and Fallout, which I, I would I would say is relatively simplistic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or yes. is it going to be a more complicated RPG style of thing? Or is it just going to be incessant button mashing? I mean, there's a lot of avenues you could go. <laughs> right. I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest. We You I, came I, prepared. <laughs> you know, we are still working through it. There are things that I like about all of those. The the one that I want to explore to see if it works is the Assassin's Creed Batman kind of dancing combat where it's a lot of counters and and timing. 
but that kind of, that can get old. We're we're working on that. If I have to answer, I would say the combat is going to have an element of that counter, the parry and counter type of back and forth. Huh. That's the goal, and and from there, I want to keep the things that we like about those games, and then strip out some of the stuff that we're not, you know, not so fond of and and then add an rpg how an rpg would do that because you know those games are fun but they're not really rpgs i mean they have elements to it but they're they're they would be loosely considered rpgs it's nailing that balance between role-playing game and action that is always the most difficult because if you go one way or the other if you go too much action right you miss the rpg elements but if you go to rpg then it's basically like your actions don't really matter you may as well just put it all on a spreadsheet yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i hear you that's why i don't have an answer for you because i could easily just the easy thing would be to go skyrim fallout just you know swing your sword in front of you and that's it and I hope it doesn't end up like that. Um, <laughs> please it, no, please no. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, I, I, we don't want it to just be, you know, yeah, you, you rolled uh, 16 and you, you needed to roll 14, so you did the damage. Ha- I have ideas for it. It, it, we, it would take three hours to go into all of them. <laughs> uh, boil it down. I want to mesh, the R- you know, an RPG with those, like I said, that, that sort of, it, you know, it almost feels like you're dancing, you know, uh, <laughs> And and I, I think there's a there, there's there's something really cool about that, but it, it needs tweaking in order to. I think for my fellow RPG gamers, they they would not be happy if it was just a straight up Batman dance. Yeah, and if it plays like Kingdom Hearts, no, no thanks. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> just keep pressing that button, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's and it's that probably going to take us longer than anything else is getting that right because that's that's what you're doing i mean that's the toy that's one of the as we call the toy of the game i mean it it, you're going to be doing that probably more than you do anything else in the game and if that stinks then the game stinks and and no backstory and no castle building and all that stuff because you're just going to be like oh i gotta go quest (laughs) again and it's it's, you're just going to be bummed out and we don't want our players bummed out yeah (laughs) an enviable goal yeah. <laughs> what are the difficulties surrounding the whole process that, I mean, don't involve money? Right. Yeah. So <laughs> what problems have you had leading up either to the Kickstarter or to all the other production issues that you kind of deal with when making an actual game? Right. And especially like abandoning the thing that you've been doing for so many years and then suddenly jumping into something pretty new. That would be one of the things. Balancing the time between my my real job and family and you know because when i am enthused about the game then that's all i want to do i mean again going back to sort of my my addictive personality i mean there there are days where i could just do it for 24 straight hours and i'd be happy about it and so you know sort of balancing everything which again i mean it does sort of go to money because if i had a, a boatload of money then i could just do this and that would be it but you know that balancing that is 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 a, is a challenge, but then on the flip side, staying enthusiastic about the project is can also be a challenge because what I tend to do is I look at the final product and then I look at what I've got and I think, wow, this really stinks. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, this is nothing like what I want, where I want to get, and it can hurt my motivation. Where I think, well, I'm, I'm just ne- this is never going to happen. 
when I look at it in bite-sized pieces and I say, well, the next thing I need to do is just simply to get the building to move around with my, with my mouse cursor and that's it and you know, make that feel smooth and that's all I have to do and I can focus on those little projects, then, it, then, it, then, it, then that helps. So staying motivated is definitely a challenge and then also um, you know, tempering that motivation so that you know, the, the rest of my life doesn't, doesn't suffer. Those two things are, are it. But trying, hmm. you, said, you said outside of money, but really we, we, we want to make this game with the quality that we know it can be made. And so far we've, I think we've done a pretty good job of that, but I know the scope that, that we're shooting for. And we've got a, you know, we've got some discussion to do. I mean, I, you know, between, between me and Rob, I, I, I still think we could do it. I just think it would take a lot longer. Well, it would certainly take a lot longer, but I don't know if it would take too long to make it worth it. Still, it still hmm. does come down to resources. So how much do you need to make this game? <laughs> <laughs> or you can make it anyway, but you need more money to make it faster, is yeah, what that's, you're saying. That's, that's just it. I mean, we can do it, and the question is, really, the, 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 more, the more we bring in, the, fa- the faster it will get made. We, we did our Kickstarter for, for 35000 and that was part of the Oya match program, which you know we, we were trying not to allocate the Oya funds to it because we don't get the funds until we actually show stuff, show, show something. So it's not like you can really rely on that. But we we figured what we needed, and we've got some people who are kind of sitting on the sidelines saying, "Well, if you get funded, we will help you with this." And they're saying that and saying, "You know, we're not going to charge you our full rate." I mean, they, you know, so we've it's we can make the money go further than you know sort of other people would because we we do have people who are willing to help out but and and this is totally understandable they can't do it for free and so and and when we posted it i mean we had people say there's no way you're making this game for 35 grand but you know they don't know everything behind the scenes that's going on so i thought that was i thought that was a pretty good number if everybody says you know you, you undershoot it no matter what you say so so, so that's probably no matter what I could, no matter what I would tell you, it probably still wouldn't be enough. But we don't need a huge budget for this. And again, you know, you see those, you see those monstrous budgets for games, but a ton of that goes into marketing. I couldn't give you a figure. We did our Kickstarter for thirty-five. Whether we hit it or not, we still consider it a success. You know, we're still holding out hope that we do. But even if we don't, we've made tremendous contacts. We've met so many amazing people, and it has really given us. Hmm faith that there are people out there that want this kind of game because and and, you know we're also on steam Greenlight, and when we went on there i was a little terrified because the 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 horror stories of people putting their games on there and the and the and the feedback that they got was scary but we went ahead and put it on there and first i was amazed at the amount of people who said i'm a christian and this is something that i've been looking for i was amazed at how few people came and said you know, mean things. But the thing that I was most amazed and encouraged by was that were the people who came and said, I'm not a Christian, but this game looks cool and I'd play it. Because that is ultimately who we really are are trying to reach. We're trying to reach people who, trying to reach gamers who are down to play a fun game and don't really care what it's about but it gives us the opportunity to say, hey, you know, you know, Jesus is pretty awesome. Check this out. Like, here's really what we believe, because you've probably heard a whole lot about Christians and you've probably met and talked to Christians who really didn't exhibit the light of Christ. And mm-hmm. you probably will never set foot in a church. 
but you will play our game and and here's just for what it's worth here's what we believe and if you want to know more about it we will you know that's cool and if not now's not the right time that's cool too we we hope that you want to know more but we know that it, it's you know not everybody will be will be interested in that huh. and that's that is that's sort of been sort of our guiding principle really as we as we think about how we present this game so you're gonna hook them with a great game <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding i i know i know you know yeah i mean yeah it's we <laughs> that's good <laughs> all right so do you have anything else to say or is that kind of the summation <laughs> boy <laughs> i'm just getting started no <laughs> that i haven't asked anyway no no i, I think you think you've been very thorough I've, i haven't held anything back so i think we've you know, sort of touched on the main things Alrighty. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show. <laughs> I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, and this has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please go on iTunes and subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you liked it, or don't give us any rating at all. <laughs> five-star <laughs> is best because none of the other ratings really matter. <laughs> so, you know, we like interviewing people and we like talking about strange topics, so if you have anything you want to ask just email me at questions at theologygaming.com we'd love to talk about whatever the heck it is you want to know about (laughs) and i will leave you with michael who is going to say some words no he's not (laughs) and uh i guess that's it so uh say bye bye thanks thanks for listening yeah bye bye